The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. All right, we're in a series called Vertical Church. What brings the glory down? What brings the glory down in church, huh? What brings the glory down in church? Anybody got an answer? Anybody? Okay. Unashamed adoration. Unashamed adoration. Two weeks ago, right? When we just do what we just did, and when, uh, you got your Bible open now, you're worshiping the Lord, I want to hear from the Lord, let's go. Like when you worship the Lord inside and out, right? Made a big point of that. When it's inside and out. Some of us uh, uh, type A personalities need to like just take a step back, have a seat, just let it happen inside, not outside, right? And some of us internal processors need to actually let it come through, <laughs> stop thinking about it internally, and let it come out right? We talked about that. Unashamed adoration. How else does the glory come down in the church? Thank you. Thank you. It was like just uh, seven days ago, actually. Yes. So I, when I ask a question like that, are you all scared to respond or is it just you don't know? Did I did a poor job of preaching last? I just really need to know. Did you know the answer or not? If you knew the answer, raise your hand. All right, so some of you were just scared to answer. If you didn't know the answer, that's great. It's okay. I just need to do a better job of preaching and maybe asking the right question so you know what I'm talking about. That's on me. Okay, so unapologetic preaching. What was the outline last week? We preach the word of God, right? We're nothing else, just the word, right? And we preach the word of God with authority, and without apology, because the authority is in the word of God. That's why we want you so badly to have a Bible in your hands. And honestly, if you don't have one, don't leave without one, right? Uh, that's why our ushers passed them out. If you were timid and didn't raise your hand, just go back there. There's a bunch of them. Just grab one. It's life and breath for you, okay? And then we preach the truth. You can listen to this online in longer version, much longer version, okay? Uh, we preach the truth of God's word with urgency, right? It's got to come and it's got to come fast and it's got to come hard because people are dying and they're going to hell, right? People are, don't, they don't know the truth. This world, how crafty is this world? This world is telling people, do what you want to do. Do it when you want to do. Nothing matters anyway. It's only about this life, nothing afterwards. That is all a flat out lie. And Satan is having a heyday even in Christian homes, man, I'm so worried for my kids. We've watched more TV in the last two weeks because of uh, the Olympics than we watch in a year, right? And I'm just like, all these commercials, all these things, I'm just like constantly having to like, hold on, we are Christians. Hold on, we believe a different way. Hold on, it's not like that, it's like this. All day long. Because the world is so crafty and they'll tell you the truth, their truth, somebody's reality, like it's, the truth. And it's not. It's not the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And there is a Father, there is a God who created us, and he wants to be in relationship with us. But he's a just God, right? And he also will condemn us on our own account, our own sin is the reason we're condemned. Not because of him, because of us. But he's a loving father who would take that condemnation and hide it under the blood of his only begotten son. Right? Forever who believes in him. Forever who will confess him. More about that at the end of the message. But uh, just trying to prepare your hearts for what's to come. Hey, I'm going to uh, try to tell you this next thing. Okay? This next thing is, is maybe the hardest thing for you because it comes with the most anxiety and fear uh, of any of these that bring God's glory down. And it, it, it requires you to be fully engaged. It requires your participation, right? Here's what it is. Here's what brings God, God's glory down. Unafraid witness. I'm not afraid. I'm willing to stand up for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ unafraid witness. When we are bold, when we are unapologetic, unafraid of what Jesus has done and what you'll say when I tell you what he's done for me, when we do that, when we have unafraid witness, the glory comes down. God shows up in such a powerful way that we're just like, what just happened? 
And I'm praying that that will happen again today and again tomorrow and again the next day as you go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. All right, let's just turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 for this. I would really like to go to Acts 4. <laughs> Acts 4 would be like my go-to passage on this where Peter and John are really, really, really bold. And I'll throw a verse in later, but I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm going to get to that in a few weeks. You will not want to miss this fall. The first few chapters of Acts are so power-packed. Do not miss it, okay? And bring your friends. It's going to be so great. I'll tell you that, but, but I'm not going to go there today because I'm going to preach that in a few weeks. So 2 Corinthians will have to be my standby, okay? You're like, really, standby? Yeah, it's the word of God. It's pretty powerful. Okay, plan B is pretty awesome, all right? It's the word of God, and uh, it is powerful. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians in his second or third letter, depending on what you think theologically, I'm just really derailed a bunch of you. You're like, What? There might be up to four letters to the Corinthians. I guess they were a really naughty church and needed a lot of instruction, right? So, so just, just, we don't have them all. We have two, uh, but that's it. So uh, look at chapter two. Are you there? Look at chapter two and look at verse 12. Verse 12. If you're there, say you're there. Great. Awesome. So when I came, this is Paul speaking, to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door uh, was opened for me, in the Lord, like the Lord opened the door. It was really wide open. My spirit, my human spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. So he crossed over to Macedonia. Uh, uh, again, he's not telling you everything. In Acts, there was this Macedonian call. It wasn't like he was just like, oh, I got a really wide open door. I should be preaching the gospel here, but I decided not to. Uh, the Bible says in Acts that God sent him a vision in the night, a man of Macedonia saying, come over here, right? So anyway, that, that all happened. So he's not giving you the whole picture, but he is saying one thing. He was discouraged. Why was he discouraged? Even though the gospel was like prime, and he could preach the word, right? He was discouraged. Why was this discouraged? He's like my buddy Titus, man. My buddy, where's Titus? We did, we made a plan. We said we're going to be here. It's be here o'clock, and he's not here. I don't know where he is. What's going on? And he's all worried. Why? Because people get stoned for this kind of stuff, right? I mean, Paul's been stoned, he's been beat, he's been all this stuff, and he's like seriously aching for Titus because he doesn't see him and he doesn't know if he's dead or alive. Right? It's not like dial him up on your iPhone, right? Or your Galaxy, whatever that is that they keep advertising. That's really cool, all right? Like, I mean, you can't just die. Hey, Titus, what's up? Where are you? I miss you, you know? Like, he doesn't know where he is. He's like flat out like, Sometimes in ministry, sometimes in life, sometimes even when we're preaching the word, how'd it go this last week, huh? Did you have any kind of opportunity to like proclaim God's word, to herald it? Did anybody, you know, did you have any kind of like time to like pull out the message from the king and go, hear ye, hear ye, huh? Did you do that this week? I'm going to promote that again this week, right? I want you to do that, but, but here's the deal. Sometimes it doesn't go like you planned, did it? Sometimes you're just like, oh man. I tried, but that was like rejection city. I mean, people did not want to hear that. It was discouraging. And I f think Paul finds himself in the same spot. It's like a little discouraging, not because people didn't want to hear it, but because of the other circumstances. So there's circumstances in our life that persuade us against preaching the gospel. There's circumstances in our life that can deter us from doing what we know to do right. What should we do? When that happens... What should we do? Well, that's what the message is about, right? And that's where rubber meets the road. When it goes good, great. When it goes bad, great. What should we do? We should respond, right? We should respond. And how we respond reveals who we are in Christ. It's our character. What's really in us will come out when the going gets good or when the going gets hard. It will come out 
What's really, really in me is coming straight out when, when the squeeze is on <laughs> or when things are so good that I can just let my hair down and I don't have to play a game. It's my character. It comes out. I want you to see this from the word of God. I want you to see what character comes out in uh, Paul's life. Look at verse 14. Discouraged? Not discouraged? Not sure what to do? Hey, gratitude is the watershed moment. We've been over this in church, right? It's like the peak of the roof. It's either going this way or this way. Well, which way does it go for Paul? But thanks. (laughs) But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us. I want you to just circle us and we in this passage. Always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him, that's Jesus, everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ, we smell like Jesus, to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, that means dying. To one, a fragrance from death to death. They're already dead spiritually and they're just going to continue to be dead spiritually and die physically. To another, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Uh, They're alive physically, but we're transferring them to spiritual life, which never ends. From life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? I mean, really? Us? We? We? Us? God, you're going to use us? Who's uh, uh, sufficient for these things? For we are not... (laughs) like so many peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, women of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We speak for Christ. We speak in Christ. We speak with Christ. It's all about Christ. When you open your mouth, you better hope Christ is speaking. Because otherwise, it's going to go wrong quick. Let me give you uh, three truths here. God's truth, and then just to apply what we learned last week, uh, here's the truth of God's word, all right? And then let's take that and let's respond. There'll be three responses, okay? It's actually one response, but I'm going to give it to you in three chunks. Okay, so God's truth first. Everybody ready for God's truth? Ready to hear a little truth today? Rather deactivate your inner lawyer and just go, okay, this is what the Bible says. I believe it. I want to do it. Here we go. God's truth. Uh, look over at, uh, just flip the page over to chapter five. Chapter five, verse 14. Chapter five, verse 14. When you're there, say you're there. Anybody else? Nobody got there after that? Man, you guys are like all on time. All the time? Man, I feel like a dweeb. All right, all right. Perfect church, I get it. We're a perfect church, yep, yep. All right, there, I just got there. There, there I am. Here I go. (laughs) Verse 14. For the love of Christ, what does it do? compels us, controls us. We have to do it. I can't stop. It's just, I'm like going this way and I wanted to go that way. It's just controlling me. The love of Christ is what's controlling us because we, do you notice this theme of us and we again, have concluded this. So I've determined, I believe this, and I hope that you do too, that one, that's Jesus, has died for all. That's us, every one of us. Therefore, all, that's all of us, have died. Well, that's true if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he, Jesus, died for all, all of us. That those who live, check your pulse, no longer live for themselves. If you came in and you're living for yourself today, I hope that changes by the end of the message. And it happens. This world will tell you to do that. I would not condemn you for living for yourself one bit. I would just say God's word says stop it and go the other direction. We no longer live for ourselves, but for him, Jesus, for whom their sake died and was raised. Jesus Christ died for us and he rose from the dead. From now on, 
Because of this, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Do, I, do you know when I look at you, I don't look at you as somebody who has flesh and bones? You're like, what? No, I'm, I'm not looking at you like you're tall, you're skinny, you're, 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 you're a little pudgy like me. I'm not, look, you know, I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking like your big nose or your bald head or your glasses or your rippling muscles. Crossfitters. All right, I'm not, look, I'm not looking at that. You know what I'm looking at? You know what I want to know? I'm regarding you according to not the flesh, even though we once re, uh, regarded uh, Christ according to the flesh, we, we thought Jesus Christ was a man. Paul thought Jesus Christ was a man. He used to regard him as a man, and he tried to kill people because he thought he was a man. He didn't believe in Jesus. He thought he was a false prophet, and he went and killed people for God against Jesus because he thought he was a man. Maybe you regard Jesus as flesh and bones. Maybe you think he was just a good man. Maybe one of the best men that ever walked on the earth. We don't regard him as that. And here's why, okay? We regard him, Jesus, thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. What's the new? The new is the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The new is the blood of Jesus Christ covering my sin because he died for me. All this is from God, who through Christ, this is a big word several times here, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know that God reconciled you to him? Have you been reconciled? And that he gave you, not only did he reconcile you, but he said, I want to use you then to reconcile other people. I use you, right? I use you to reconcile other people. This is in Christ, God or that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world, everybody to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. You're like, what? Jesus doesn't think I'm a sinner. No, he knows you're a sinner, but he wants to forgive your sin. He's not counting your sin against you. Once you repent and turn from your sin, he's like, you're washed, you're clean. I look at you, you're in the spirit. It's pretty awesome. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God's like, here's my baby. And he gave us Jesus, right? And Jesus then came and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he's like, I'm entrusting you with the one thing you can have, Melissa. That is the message of Christ, the reconciliation. I can give to you what you can give to other people, which is a cool glass of water in a very rough world, right? It is reconciliation with the God who created them. It is life and breath. It is unity with God. It's crazy. He's given us that. Therefore, we are, go ahead and say we are. are. I mean, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God speaking through us to other people. He wants to see people get saved. God making his appeal through us. So make it personal. We or I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I implore you. I beg you. I'm asking you be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Please don't hesitate. Don't think about anything else. Confess your sin, turn towards your savior, believe in him and confess his name as master, as Lord of your life. Like, I'm not sure I want a master. Then you're not ripe to the gospel and you're not ready to be saved then you want to be your own master and that's fine. But there will be a time when God gets your attention. And I pray when that time is that he will get your attention in such a way that you will crawl under that boulder, (laughs) out from under that boulder and that you will say, I need Jesus. We'll be here to help you. Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So look at chapter six. Working together with him, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be unafraid in our witness because we're working together with Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is on your team, how's that going? Think you'll win a gold medal then? It's like having Michael Phelps on your team? Yeah, whatever. It's like having 20 Michael Phelps on your team. A million Michael Phelps. It's like uh, we can't lose. 
It's like having LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, all these guys on the same team. We're talking dream, dream, right, team. You're like, stop with the illustrations. You're horrible. (laughs) It's like having the God of the universe on your team. We're working together. What can stop us now? Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Because you're going to receive the grace of God. The grace of God's coming your way. That's not, that's not to be uh, uh, questioned. God's given you grace. You're alive. You're breathing. You're here. If not for his grace, you'd be dead already. Because you deserve death. The grace, that's, that's, not, that's not a question. God's given you grace. Sometimes he gives you grace and hardship to get your attention back on him. Will you listen? Or will it be in vain? Right? So that's what he's saying. The grace is coming. Will it be in vain? Are you going to pick to choose grace and love that and choose faith? Or is it just going to be like, nah, I'm going to need a lot more grace than that. You're going to have to back up the grace truck and talk to me personally, God. And I don't want you working through anybody else. I want you to come personally. All right. Well, you're pretty proud. And uh, I think the grace of God is going to be in vain in your life. Verse two. For he says, this is a quote, in the favorable time, whenever God wants to come, I listen to you. God's listening to you. He knows your heart right now. Did you know that? Is that scary to you? That God knows what you're thinking right now? That he hears you? Even your thoughts? He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're saying. He knows whether you want to be here, whether you don't, whether you agree, whether you're not. He knows. He's listening to you in this favorable time. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And he's willing, he's not only listening to you, he's willing to help you right now. Did you know that? He's willing to help you. Do you want his help? He's there. He wants to help you. I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When is the day? I mean, he said it twice. I can't miss it. Now, today, today's the day. Today's the day that somebody gets saved in our church because now is the day of salvation. Now is the favorable time. Now is the time to come to Christ. All right, now let's get the truths on the table. You ready for it? Ready to start writing like, slow down, I don't get it. Okay, all right, here we go. God's truth. Here's the first one from the first uh, six verses there, 14 through 20. God wants to use us, believers, to lead others, that's unbelievers, to Christ. God wants to use us to lead others to Christ. That's a great truth. God wants to use me? Well, if you're a believer, yes, he wants to use you. He wants to use us, believers, okay, to reach others, that's unbelievers, people that don't know the Lord, don't know the word, with Christ. He wants to use us. Let me just highlight a few things that I said here. Uh, We don't live for ourselves, It's not about us. Once we accept Christ, we are his. It's not about us anymore. We're his. We're doing his work. We're all about unafraid witness for him. Let me highlight this uh, a few verses later. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's what we are. We're people that go around from country to country, from city to city, from job to job, from house to house, and we declare, I'm from a different kingdom. I have a president, a king, And I'm here to tell you about him. And he could be your king too. Matter of fact, he could set up shop right here in your house. And you could then be an ambassador for him. We are ambassadors for Christ. And then this last thing, chapter six, we are working together with him. I mean, he's on our team. We're on his team. We're a team. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing to have Jesus on your team. God wants to use us to lead others to Christ, first truth. So what are we going to do with that? How are we going to apply that? Hey, up in your bulletin on the, on, the, on the corner up here, I just want you to write up here one, two, three, okay? Just write one, two, three up here in the corner, all right? You got it? You guys see that over there? Uh, one, two, three, all right? And, and then what I want you to do is I want you just to take and write the names of two or three people that God just brings into your heart right now Uh, the names of two or three people that you know don't know the Lord. I mean, you know the way they live. You you know the way they act. You know maybe they've even rejected your unafraid witness before. Um, Just write their names down right now. 
Okay? Take a second. Just write their names down. How hard is that? Is that pretty hard? Is it pretty hard to write a name down or two? Or is it easy? You're like, no, I got like 20 people, man. Like you got a, you got a list, you got a piece of paper, use the back. I don't care. It's great. All right? Write them all down and pray for them. Why am I writing this list down? Because I have these handy dandy cards, right? That I could use to uh, tell them about uh, the church and, and Christ. And I, I have this handy dandy book called the, the Bible that I could open up, right? And I, uh, this isn't going to be enough for you after today's message, right? I, I put a table out there of all, this is all the cards we have left. They're all on the table. That's all I got. And I expect them to be gone. Now, don't take them all before 11 o'clock. They'd like some too. Take as many as you'll hand out, right? And you can get more next time. But take as many as you're like willing to hand out. Take a stack. I got 10 or 20 here, all right? And it's like, okay. And I just stick them in my wallet. I got two in my wallet every time. And it's like, if God gives me opportunity, boom. Hey, I'd like to invite you to our church. And uh, I just think you'll, it's different. It's not normal. <laughs> it's not average, typical church. You're not, I don't know how to describe it. It's not weird, but, it, but, it's, but it's not normal, okay? That's, it's powerful. It's energetic. You'll love it. But you just got to come check it out one time and see what God does, right? Can you do that? Do that with these people that you wrote down. And, and ask God for opportunity to share boldly with them, right? Because God wants you to. All right, more about that uh, in, in the rest of the message, okay? The second thing, second truth, God wants everyone, say everyone, absolutely everyone to repent and be saved. God wants everyone to repent and be saved. God's not choosy. He's not like, oh, I want that one and that one and that one and that one to repent. But these ones, I don't care if they repent or not. Do you think he sent his only son to die just for a few people? Just for a select few? Well, I have a verse for you. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, okay, bigger than you, that he gave his only son. That whoever, whoever, as in everyone, and anyone that will repent, whoever, whoever, right, believes in him will be saved. Whoever. God wants everyone to repent and to be saved. Who? Who does he want to repent? Everyone. everyone okay. And, and when does he want them to repent? Now. Now today, right? I mean, so clear from God's word, this is the principles, okay? And uh, let's just go to the next uh, truth. God wants me, everybody say me. I mean me, right? Now, I made you say me, and if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I apologize, because I don't mean you, right? If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, then not quite yet does God want you, right? But he wants you to be saved so that then you could write me in there, okay? God wants me to spread the gospel everywhere. God wants me to spread the gospel everywhere. Flip back to chapter two. Do you see it there? Verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Where does he do it? Everywhere. And, and he's spreading it through us. I mean, you should highlight through us in your Bible. So just, just, I mean, that might be the biggest highlighter ever. Like put a triangle around it, put a box around it, do something wacky, put stars around it through us. God wants to use you. Now, I don't know what your theology is on that. Well, God knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And so God will do the work through you. That's what the Bible says, right? So yes, maybe God did. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, you know, we know this from Ephesians, predestined and foreknew who was going to turn from their sins and repent. Sure, he knows. He knows who's here in this room that needs to do it today. He knows. He's planned the day that you will do it. I'm praying today. But don't let your theology get in the way of your responsibility to share Jesus Christ with boldness. All right? 
Don't be like, well, I don't really, it's going to happen anyway. God's sovereign. Yeah, God's sovereignly using you to get the gospel out. That's what he's doing. Let's just be clear about that. God wants me to spread the gospel everywhere. And how do I do that? How should I respond to the truth of God's word? Well, that's the next three things here. My response. How should I do this? How? How? The first thing here is I will speak. Now, again, I thought about saying we will speak because we all should be doing it, right? And I think when we say I, then you're like, well, I choose not to. All right. But then we are still going to do it, whether you choose not to or not. Okay. So this is a team sport. We're joined together. We need to do this, but I'm saying I, because it needs to be a personal decision on your part. Okay. I will speak. I will speak. My participation matters. God's work of salvation requires human witness. Did you know that? What God wants to do in this world requires humans to do it. He wants us, right? You even look at Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit comes down and 3,000 people got saved without anybody saying a word. No. Peter preached the gospel and people got saved. God uses people to preach the word, to uh, herald his message, to be unafraid in their witness. Do you see it here in the next verse? For we are the aroma of Christ in God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I am the aroma of Christ. I smell like Christ. I taste like Christ. I look like Christ. I sound like Christ. I live like Jesus Christ. And that is what's attractive to a dying world who doesn't get it. Because I'm the aroma. Now, but look at this. Next here. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So there's two different responses. To one, the fragrance of death to death. So I stink bad to those who are perishing. I stink. They're like, Get away from me. You smell. I don't want to hear that. Don't ever say that to me again. You're off my friends list. You're not coming to the next party. Great. All right. I thought I was a really good guy. But then to the other fragrance of life to life. And that person, I smell good to those who are being saved. Uh, This is the way we describe it at Harvest Rochester. Okay. And every harvest around the world. There's red apples and there is Green apples, okay? So this is what we call it. Red apples and green apples. And so red apples are ripe to the gospel. They're ready. They're ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They're waiting for it. They can't wait. They will respond to you. They will receive your message. And it won't even be you, right? They'll be receiving Jesus Christ. That's the message. And they'll be like, where have you been all my life? Right? I love you so much. When can we hang out again? All right. But then there's these green apples, kind of bitter, honestly. Uh, taste a little sour. And they may live, leave a sour taste in your mouth uh, when you're around them and you try to take a bite. All right. Uh, green apples are not ripe to the gospel. They're rejecting it. They're not ready for it. They don't want to hear it. They're going to tell you to step away from the vehicle. Why do you think I need that? Who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? You must think I'm a really bad person, huh? And they are not ripe to the gospel. We would say, don't bruise the fruit. The time is not yet. So you go, well, how do I know who's red and how do I know who's green? Well, when you've done what I've done for a little bit, you kind of figure it out. And if you've been sticking around harvest, you could probably preach the message at this point right? Been to a few baptism services. People get up there and they go, I was walking along. I was too sexy for my shirt, right? I thought I was God's gift to creation. Forgetting that he created me. And then God dropped a boulder on me, right? And the label on the boulder changes. Rough marriage, job loss, addiction to sin. You fill in the blank, Whatever it is, 
God drops a boulder and he puts you under the pressure of life because life is pressure cooker, isn't it? Life is tough. But for those who believe, we handle the pressure because we have Christ. For those who aren't believers, they are like so under the pressure, they're just like, help me. Or they get harder and then the boulder gets bigger. You could reject the boulder. The boulder will just get bigger. It may change labels too. And it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger until you either deny him completely or he can finally get your attention. What a loving God. Never going to stop pursuing you. Never going to stop dropping boulders on you until you say, I need your help, God. And then when you do that, everything in life changes. Not the hardness of life, but how you handle it and how you go about that hardness and the joy with which you can even bear under that hardness, it all changes. So I've been to a few baptism services. Uh, we're having another one in September uh, on the 4th and, and you, should, you should come and you can experience this, right? Maybe even you'll be saved and you'll go get baptized and you could be in the tank. That's a good experience, right? But people go, you know what? I was walking along, I was too sexy for my shirt, then God dropped a boulder and I understood I was a sinner and that I needed a savior and I just confessed my sin. I turned to Jesus Christ. He came into my life and now life's not perfect, but I'm progressing with him. It's getting better. Things are getting better for me because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how it happens. Let me say this phrase. If you're not willing to be the fragrance of death to those who are perishing, you will never be the aroma of life to those who are ready to be safe. All right? I will speak. If you're not ready to be the fragrance of death to those that are perishing and rejecting Christ, the green apples, you will never be the aroma of life to the red apple who is ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are forfeiting your opportunity. You remind green apples of what they don't have and they don't like it. Again, if you're not willing, if you're afraid, if you're afraid to be stink to some people, then you're never going to smell good to others. You go, how is this even possible? Who is sufficient for these things? Like, really? I'm supposed to go out there every day and smell? Stink to some, smell good to others. It is the best human experience you'll ever have to lead someone to Christ. I pray that that experience happens to you soon. And again and again often. It's the best. It's, 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 it's so, it's like a front row to what God's doing. But who is sufficient for these things? Because when I try to do it in my own flesh, it just goes bad. Right? You ever tried to do it in your own flesh? And it's just like, <laughs> they're offended, you're injured, you know, it just didn't go well. And you're like, God, what did I do? Can you recover from that? I know you still love them. Like, what do I do? Read the word, confess your sin, get back on the train with God and go after it again. The Bible says here at the end of verse 16, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? No one in his own strength. No one in his own strength. Look down at verse four of chapter three. Verse four of chapter three says, such is the confidence, that word there, boldness, that we have through Christ toward God. Such is the boldness that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. It's not me. But our sufficiency is from God. It's him working through me. Who has made us sufficient to minister, to be ministers of the new covenant, not the letter of the law. So it's not legalism. If you're going to preach legalism to somebody, knock it off. It's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. It's the new covenant, which is grace, right? We love you. God saved you. He wants you to be with him. People don't want to say, be told, knock that off. They want to be told, there's a better option. 
pick the better thing, right? Not stop this, start something better, something new and improved, something better that will change your life and will be radically different. Don't go back to that other thing. And I'm not going to tell you to stop because you'll just get rebellious and hard of heart. The spirit gives life. The letter kills. The spirit gives life. Breathe life into people because God has made us sufficient through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has made us sufficient. Look down uh, here at verse 17. You see here, it's not a class that you take. And you see here, it's not a book you read. And it's not human persuasion. No, 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 no. It's I love Jesus. He's changed my life. And he keeps changing me. And he could change you too. You see this? Verse 17. For we are not like so many. There's a lot of people that are peddling God's word. We talked about that last week. Okay? You ever seen an infomercial? Look at this picture here. You ever seen this guy? Shamwow guy? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've seen him a few times. 1995. Three payments of 1995. You know, it's like la- yesterday. This happened to me yesterday. I was watching Olympics, right, with my kids. It, uh, God forgive me for all the TV I've watched in the last two weeks. All right? I was, I was like, you know, these copper pans, they're deep. They're square. They're, they're gorgeous, right? And, and, you know, I'm looking at this pan and this guy's doing all this stuff and he pops up chicken pot pie in the oven and then out comes a, oh, it's like, woo! One second later, it's done. And then he, oh, apple pie, just put a whole can in and like, and it, we don't sell Jesus Christ like that. Jesus isn't like, man, improve your portfolio. Look at your investment stock go up. Prosperity gospel. No, it's just going to be just as hard. You're just going to have a better outlook on life. That's all. It's not like God gives you a new car when you get saved. Sorry for the disappointment. God gives you a new life. Which do you want? A new car or a new life? Duh. I want the new life in Christ. I don't want the new car. That's weak. It says here, if you continue... We're not peddlers of God's word, but we're men of sincerity as commissioned by God. Did you know we're commissioned by God? Matthew 28 says that, 18 and 20. We are commissioned by God. Go, make disciples, right? Of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And I am with you to the end of the age. We are commissioned by God, Jesus Christ himself, and in the sight of God. Do you see that there? In the sight of God, we speak in God. In the sight of God. Do you know every time you say anything, you're in God's sight? But God is really pleased when you're saying something about him. When you're telling somebody unafraid witness about him, he's like, let me listen in. This is going to be good. I'm ready to work. Here I am. I'm entering their heart now, trying to get them to hear you, trying to get them to listen, trying to get them to turn. Something's in their heart now. It's working. Just keep talking. Just keep telling them the truth in love. God's right there in that experience. And we speak in Christ. But sometimes we get afraid, don't we? Great picture of this is Moses. I'm going to throw the verse on the screen. When God asked Moses to do something really big for him, like I'm asking you to do for God right now, something really big to share, to be a herald, right? Uh, Here's what Moses said. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. Nothing's changed. I still stink at talking. But I am slow of speech and of tongue, when the Lord, then the Lord said to him, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Who taught you how to speak? Who formed your lips? Who gave you a tongue? Who makes somebody mute or deaf? Who could take your voice like that so you couldn't even say what you wanted to say? Or seeing or blind, is it not I the Lord? What's the answer? Yes. Yes is the answer. Therefore, now go. Go. Right? Here's the Great Commission in the Old Testament. Go, and I will speak. 
I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. You think if God said that to Moses, he wouldn't say that to you? He does say it to you, right? And he says, speak with boldness. That's the next point. What should we do? I will speak in Christ with sincere boldness. Sincere means genuine, real, pure, free of deceit and hypocrisy. I'm not lying. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. Boldness means courage, plainly, openly, directly, clearly, with confidence. Boldness isn't loud, although it can be. It doesn't have to be. It's not pushy, and it's not obnoxious. It's not rude, and it's not demanding. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't want that. When was the last time God was bold, uh, or God was pushy and demanding with you? When was the last time God made you do anything? God doesn't work like that. And he doesn't want his people, his voices to work like that either. We come hands open with love to just preach the word of God and offer hope. What happens when we're bold for Jesus Christ? What happens? I will speak in Christ with boldness. What happens? Triumphal procession happens. I lead you in triumphal procession. It's like a ticker tape parade. It's like a victory parade, right? It's like a celebration when God shows up, when somebody's bold, right? So I've tried to be bold with the gospel today, but let me be bold one last time. So if you're here today and you came in and you're like, man, I'm glad to be here at church, but I'm not quite sure about what you're talking about. If you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, as in, if you have never confessed your sin, do you believe you're a sinner? If you've never confessed that sin to God, said, God, I'm a sinner. If you've never said audibly to God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe, I don't know what it is. I've never believed this before, but something in my heart now, God has activated my faith. And now today I believe it. I believe that God sent his son to die for me, that his son died for me. I believe that my blood is, that his blood covers my sin. I believe it. Now, just today for the first time, I don't know why I believe that, but I do. Something's happened to me. That's God. That's God, right? Then confess it. Then confess it. And say, I believe. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'd like you to bow your heads. I just want to lead anybody that would be in that position, anybody that would find themselves in that position, I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe a prayer something like this. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to repeat me completely. <laughs> You just need to say something like this from your heart, right? From your heart. If God's doing something in your heart right now, would you say these words? God, I'm a sinner. I have fallen from you. I have run from you. I have willfully sinned against you. And now I know that that is not the way God, I believe, I believe today. Today is the day of salvation for me. I believe today that Jesus Christ, your son, died for me on a cross and that he waited three days to raise from the dead to prove to me that he is God. And I believe that he rose from the dead and that he lives in heaven interceding for me right now and that he wants me to be saved, that his blood is payment for my sin. I believe it, God. Would you say that to him? Just in your heart. Maybe with your mouth. I believe. I believe. Today I believe. And then would you confess it? Would you confess you know, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my master now because of what I've done and turned from and because of who you are and who I've embraced. <laughs> I confess you are my Lord and Savior.
if you said that prayer, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but I know that if you said that prayer, something's changed in your heart and you want to be bold. Would you just stand up? Would you stand up? Would you make a stand for him? He knows you. He knows what you've been thinking. He knows what you've been saying. Would you just stand up for him? Amen. God's working in your heart. If you've said that prayer, stand to your feet. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. I know Satan's telling you you've already done that. I know Satan's telling you that this isn't for you. But if God's speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, don't deny him. Don't let the grace of God be in vain. He's asking you to make a decision and then to declare that decision. Anybody else? Praise God for these that are standing. Praise God. God, you're, you're awesome in this place. And we love you. And we know there's many more that your spirit's working on right now as the bold proclamation of God's son goes out that it's through us that you're working. God, so I pray in this moment, set our hearts on fire for you. We love you, each and every one of us.